Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody, it's the Creative Pep Talk podcast with me, Andy J. Miller, uh, the guy who does the podcast, and another thing I do is make art, so that's the thing that we do, and uh, I have just finished doing an interview with Daniel Evans that we're going to get to in a minute. Before that, I just want to say thank you to all the people that have uh, been reviewing the podcast on iTunes this week that you said some really nice, sweet things that touched my heart. And also thanks for the new Patreon backers and thank you, illustrationage.com. You can find the podcast there. They're the syndicate of the podcast and they're so nice and, and helpful. So thank you guys. And without further ado, here's the interview. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, AnnieJPizza.com, if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. recording and I'm here with Daniel Evans. 
Hi, everyone. And Brandon Reich. Hello. He's my Andy Richter. I'm by Andy, his, yeah, I'm just a sidekick today. That's what he said. I didn't name him my Andy Richter or anything. So this is the Creative Pep Talk podcast with me, Andy J. Miller. Uh, I'm a commercial artist. You know the spiel. Um, today, though, we're sitting in here. We wanted to interview Danielle Evans. She is a food, I don't remember what you call it. I know, food typographer. Food typographer. Essentially. And it's kind of lettering. That's yeah. But anyway, yeah. That's for the that's another story. Technical people. But <laughs> I wanted to get her in because I uh, I recently heard you talk, and there were so many interesting things. And we have like a right now. I have like a half of a computer screen cutting my vision off with her. Hold on. <laughs> uh, and I heard you do a talk, and you said tons of interesting things. And really, just for my own personal gain, I wanted to get you on the podcast so I can pry and ask all these questions and get lots of good answers. So that's, that so was you've my... really just trapped her into answering all your <laughs> yeah, questions. We're, we're not even recording. <laughs> right this was now. this big elaborate way <laughs> to say, answer everything yes. that I ask you. There isn't a podcast. You have uh, no choice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I, I had it on good authority that Andy reamed out everybody um, who came to my talk in his class because they didn't ask enough questions. Yes. I see. Yeah. Well, that's something if you're listening and you're one of my students, I just want to tell you off again for when there's an industry professional doing super awesome stuff and you get to be face to face with them, ask them questions like you care about making art. I should have brought free swag. That was my problem. What That's if my maybe, thing. Yeah. what if you give all your students her, n- maybe not number, but just text her <laughs> right. your questions. You'd probably get okay. a better yeah. response. Just, just my address where I live. Your address. You can just say it now. and Or it would, just, it would be this awkward moment where everybody's just sitting there texting on their phones for like two hours. But the man, there's so in. many questions being answered. Yeah. That's the way to do it, man. That's the way to connect with today's youth. Oh, yeah. You got it. You're in touch with these millennials. Uh, I'm going to give out fruit roll-ups next time. I have three fruit roll-ups in my car. For the purpose of whenever I need that. An emergency <laughs> fruit roll-up. In case, yeah, An that's going to help out. This is the like, perfect time for fruit roll-ups. I don't even eat them, but um, I've been thinking about, like, throwing <laughs> them out to my students to get them to participate. Sometimes they get in a weird zone, and it aggravates me. But, um, okay, so before we talk about nothing for an hour, let's start with you just giving us an overview of who you are and what you do, and I want you to feel free to name drop like crazy with your client list. I'm asking you to, because I feel like, you know, sometimes people ask you like, tell us what you do. And you're like, ah, I draw pictures. And they're like, no, tell us everything. Make it sound good. We want to hear the best version of that. I'll make a bomb sound every time the huge client (laughs) comes in. (laughs) Seriously, you have some awesome clients, amazing projects, amazing work. And tell the audience a little bit about that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, my name is Danielle Evans. I'm from Ohio. I live in Columbus right now, and I do what I call food typography or dimensional type. Um, I essentially take food and objects, and I render them into lettering of some form. And often they're used for social media. They're used for outdoor signage, in-store signage, but a lot of it is campaign-based, so I'm doing multiple pieces uh, where I'm taking these objects and items, arranging them into letters, propping in different pieces of, like, bowls or cutting boards or whatever to tell more of a story. And then I'm photographing them. Oftentimes I prefer having help and often retouching my own images. So there's this really broad spectrum of skills that are going into my projects. And I've done work for the likes of Target. Here it comes. (laughs) The Aria in Vegas. Um, 
Kellogg's, Cheerios, Purina, The Guardian. Was uh, Taza one? Yeah. Is that, the, Taza, is that a yeah. new one? That actually was or a year that ago. A, okay. That was exactly a year ago. It's just Instagram finally has video capabilities right. that aren't just in a square. So yeah. I thought I'd post those and get those out. It looked really good. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So super interesting. And I think that, um, you know, you started doing this uh, before it was like a thing. Yeah, that's a that's a weird thing. That's the weird thing about <laughs> it. It, yeah. it is now See, a I thing. Think, yeah. I think she is the thing, is Maybe. the thing. And yeah. I don't think she's going to say that on this podcast. But she is the thing. And everyone else you know came how, after her. Sorry. You know when we were at the conference and Mikey Burton said that he invented the cross logo? Yeah. I wanted to say, I think that maybe I I invented the coloring for adults. Oh, I see. Oh, I invented I invented some... Uh, what did you invent? I invented some uh, texture uh, methods, methods uh, of applying texture to yeah. graphics that That's I see than all of... adult coloring books. All over the place. <laughs> and I don't know that I would ever be able to prove that. I but can't prove it. It's probably I know not where, true. I know actually. where my inspiration came from, and I have a suspicion that everybody else's inspiration came from, from me. Yeah. Mm. Just first that time in ever, your heart. That's the first time I've ever said that in public. Treasure everybody. that all to yourself. <laughs> it's all ridiculous, and it's fine. We can just in our own rooms. You know, well, if you want to be a trailblazer, right? <laughs> Somebody's right. going to watch what you're doing. Yeah. And then replicate it a thousand times. Yeah. yeah. And there so you go. Think that, you know, you're in that. A little tension inside, <laughs> Daniel. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's really cool. And I know that um, there's definitely part of you that finds it super flattering and really interesting. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think that, you know, you see that a long time, but how long have you been doing this? About three years. About three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there are these really beautiful, ornate things. You should go check out our website. Is it just Daniel Evans? Actually, oh, I have... no, it's a different... Yeah. I have all the URLs now. So right. Daniel-Evans.com, Marmalade Blue, any way you could spell it, I own it. <laughs> <laughs> Foodlettering.com, um, DimensionalType.com, I think is linked up there too. I have all the... I have all the things. Awesome. You have a monopoly on everything you could possibly call this thing. Actually, seriously, I thought of it about a year ago being like, I should buy all this up just in case. And yep. I'm yeah. really glad I did. Yep. <laughs> I hope no Go one goes out and buys this, but you know how there's all these new uh, domain names? Yeah. I'm yeah. going to do Andy J pizza dot pizza. Dot pizza. Yeah. That's the first That's one I was going to say. <laughs> I have no That's idea why I don't, don't have buy it. it. I haven't bought it yet. <laughs> Anybody. Um, so, Excuse me while I pull this up. <laughs> put that down. Uh, so, okay. I would just, you, I think your story is really interesting. I related to uh, just this idea of like graduating and having, so, I don't know, some, you're doing creative work, but it's not really super fulfilling and you don't feel like you've really found your thing and you're trying tons of things that everybody else is trying and um, you just keep at it and it gets more and more interesting. So would you just like give us that story? Yeah, I'd love yeah. to. Well, I got done with school and I graduated during the housing crisis a few years ago Me and too. there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. I was competing with people who were like 40 years old just to work at the Apple store at the mall. Mm. Uh, which that's that's the kind of competition I signed up for. Yep. So laden with student loans, I'm working at restaurants, I'm working in retail, I'm working in more retail, and I'm crying in the car. I had this glorious movie <laughs> moment of going to the container store, putting in an application to get a new job, coming out to my car, which had a flat tire, and running in the rain to my other job at the mall, just sobbing. It was very cinematic. <laughs> what song was playing? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why, was it Peter I, Gabriel? Yeah. Or it? I, no, I feel you because I think, uh, unlike a lot of people, and that uh, I 
I wanted my creative career really bad. Mm-hmm. Seems like a lot of people just seem like it just kind of happened and it was all cool and yeah. everything. But there were lots of moments for me where I was like holding back tears like, oh gosh, it's not working or like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And so I can totally relate to that. I'm an emotional sap. Yes. Uh, and I get it. Yeah, yes, so. that was exactly it. And Chariots yes. of Fire, by the way, because Chariots if I was fire. late one more time, they were going to fire me. <laughs> I understand. I've been late twice, <laughs> once for snowstorms. So I was like, also going to okay. guess maybe Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not great running music, but I guess if it's slow enough, like mm. we should have, you know. We tend to be an emotional people. So it's like you have the fullness of all this stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, mm-hmm. you realize that part of why you're creative is because you know how to like pull it all out of yourself and some function. Maybe you can do that by speaking. Maybe you can do that with your art. But um, we tend to be very sensitive and uh, I don't know, like the wounds are pretty much always open with yeah. us. Yeah. And that's a yeah. definitely a generalization. So we don't need any feedback about how I'm not an emotional person. Yeah, and I'm a I'm super creative. tough dude, man. Well, that's fine. <laughs> if you are, that's totally fine. But, you know, I think as a generalization, it's, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah. Then what? Well, after this, I was starting to realize I, I hadn't done a, almost any art in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it was making me grumpy very cranky all the time. Um, I think at my last talk, I kind of made the audience shake a little because I went grump as f- <laughs> and I hit <laughs> really hard. Like I was jumping into a pool and everyone went, <gasps> but it's true. No, <laughs> listen, Danielle, I don't want, I'm not going to chastise you. Oh, no. But I will let you know that when someone swears on the podcast, I put in comedy noises. So... <laughs> Just be aware. This is because I make like it. A, oh, yeah, it's gonna yes. have that. So it's fine. I'm but ready. Be aware. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Be aware. Ben I will sound ridiculous. Yeah, had some good honky noises <laughs> last time. Right? I try to make it safe for the kids. Well, that's right? good. I was yeah. worried I had to give you a dollar or something. Yeah. Okay, and a dollar, <laughs> and that too. Uh, but yeah, uh, I totally no, lost. No, it's track. okay. What were you um, I was, I was really grumpy. Yes. Grump is cuss. Yes. About things. <laughs> Her life was a cluster cuss. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we can and do fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, yes. We can do that. I can do that all day. All right. <laughs> but I was realizing I wasn't telling anyone what I did. And because I wasn't telling anyone what I did, I wasn't seeing any kind of work at all. And so I, I got this notion in my mind to carry my business cards and my apron at work and hand them out to people at my register. I would just talk to people and go, oh, you know. I'm a designer, I'm an illustrator, like mm. whatever whatever I thought would appeal to them most to hear about, I would I would speak to them. And if they would give me the benefit of listening, I would give them a card. Now, the thing was, I hated all of my websites up to this point. One of my friends very kindly labored over one for a mere 300 bucks because he was also broke and it was just awful. It was like a WordPress <laughs> thing. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to show anyone because I couldn't figure out how to upload anything. Yeah. It was like this labyrinth of confusion. <laughs> so... And web work, which I'm not good at. So I started I started talking to people. I ended up finding a job working in-house, and it was just the worst experience. Like, I was the sole designer, and for a while, that was a lot of fun. The product was really interesting. I was doing vinyl decals. Um, it was graphic design and illustration. There was a lot of type and a lot of imagery, and I was creating lines for these people. It was really fulfilling and fun until the daughter showed up and decided that she was in charge because this was mommy and daddy's company and she was a college dropout. She had zero education minus like three months working as an elementary school teacher. Sounds like a foolproof plan. It really was. Oh gosh. (laughs) So I only lasted around nine months there and I would have probably stayed longer because I felt I had to have a job lined up. But my husband kept saying, you know, you're crying because it's Saturday because it's almost Sunday, because you have to go back to work. Yeah. That's not how this should work. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds unhealthy. Yeah. So 
I decided to quit right out and basically we mac and cheesed it for like nine months. It was it was really rough. We ended up living on 15, no, at the time it was $12 an hour for two people mm. and we made it work, yeah. which was nuts. Mm. So bake the hell out of mac and cheese. It can be good. Yeah, yeah. Every kind of vegetable you could throw in there. Um, I made almost everything. When I wasn't making money, I was the most domestic person you could ever find because yeah. I felt like I had to contribute something. I had to contribute something yeah. to this relationship. Um I was just really struggling, but at the same time, I, I felt freer and more open to pursue work that I wanted. Mm. I was interested in lettering. I had been doing it since um, college, but I hadn't been showing anyone any of it. And so I started, you know, doing some and posting it to this dribble thing. What is that? Mm. Um, it, it did okay. It wasn't great. Um, I was gravitating towards people who were doing excellent work, like Brandon and I'm other such people. I'm always gravitating towards Brandon. Uh, and <laughs> Except right now, there's a giant desk hinging on that. I'm, yeah, that's yeah, we got a me. solid six feet I from know. each of us. It's how yeah. you get stuff done in here. Right? That's right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, I just wanted to talk about this idea of being broke. Uh, mm-hmm. I talked a little bit about that with Draplin, and he was talking about how it was a big motivator for him. And I don't know. I think... I didn't go to art school, but I know a lot of people who did in America. And a lot of those people uh, were, you know, grew up kind of in privilege. And, you know, it was a privilege to go to art school, or it is. And you're surrounded by a lot of affluent people from affluent backgrounds mm-hmm. who don't have a lot of, um, aren't in touch with people that have had money struggles. They get out with a good degree, get a job that's okay, even if they're not super enjoying it, they're making good money. Mm-hmm. And so for me, early on, I struggled financially because I can't, I don't have a lot of other skills. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. You, you kind of have a, uh, a different background. Like you didn't go to art school and I didn't go to art school. My background is basically that my band sort of having a necessity to design graphics for my band kind of got my foot in the door to this industry. But as far as financially for me, it's always been, I mean, like, of course I was broke when I started, but that was the most money I'd ever had at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was the norm for me. So for me, it was a steady incline from the norm to wherever I am now. So yeah. it was like, I was broke, but I didn't have something to compare it to, meaning like, well, a year ago I wasn't broke and now I'm broke. Yeah. So I never had the down. <laughs> I'm broker. Yeah, yeah. Like less broke. Yeah, I started yeah. broke and had yeah. a steady incline up. But um, yeah, so, but I'm from a town where nobody has any money yes. at all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as far as comparing myself to other people, like there just wasn't any of that. I think that if you have anything to do at all, if you have a job at all, it's, um, it's a good thing. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's, you know, it, there's not really like, there wasn't a class war in my town of like, I have a better job than you. It's pretty much, Hey, if you're working, you know, because everybody's sort of like used to work at auto plants mm-hmm. and stuff like that in Dayton, Ohio. So, um, yeah, it was sort of a, I, I dealt with the frustration, but the frustration was, uh, wasn't com- it wasn't compounded by the fact that I had been to a better place. Right. Yes. I was more excited about every moment that I was in. And, um, you know, for me, if there was a Mac and cheese phase, it was like, Hey, we can afford Mac and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then later, Delicious. yeah, maybe later we can afford, I don't know, to actually craft? go to a restaurant. <laughs> oh, we're on craft now. We're living that craft yeah. life now. Oh, yeah. I remember when we started living that Annie's life. That yeah. was huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoa, it's like moderately good for wow. you. Yeah. We can buy <laughs> so much overpriced food at Whole Foods <laughs> That's now. so funny. And I have you, I don't know, uh, Danielle, but 
did you ever feel like early on that you had to do like the fake it till you make it thing? Like where you're not like showing your cards, like not showing that you're broke. Like that, that wasn't a thing early on. It's like, you're wanting to come across confident and like, you know what you're doing and mm-hmm. all that. And you don't want to be like, I don't know. I, I, early on in my career, I felt like I kept running into those situations. I felt like in the, well, I didn't come from money either. My family was really broke. It turns out when you're when your parents get divorced and they just kind of fight for 10 years after yeah. they're married, no one has any money to put yeah. you to school. So you're like putting yourself through school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So I just didn't know any better. Like when this was happening for me, I'm like, oh man, my own place, the height of luxury. Yeah. <laughs> there are rats in here and homeless yeah. people in my basement. But These that's are cool. really yeah. nice rats. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go to school? Indiana Wesleyan. Okay, yeah, right. That's such a weird question. Okay, if I can sidebar for just a half second. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. I have a lot of people asking me if I get maligned for being a woman in this industry. Mm. And very, I I would venture never, maybe once, barely. Mm. More so I get maligned for where I'm from and where I went to school. Mm. I Yeah, you know what? Interesting uh, transition there. I went to school in England, and I don't think they're, uh, you know, there's like Brighton Art School and there's Mm -hmm. the Royal... Royal Academy. Yeah. And, and so those are, you know, a big deal, but I didn't ever think no one seemed to ask that question. Like, where'd you go to school? And then have a, like a clear response. And then, so I moved back when I was an adult and I realized this is a thing. Yeah. If you go into a meeting meeting and everybody looks around like, Oh, where did you go to school? Where did you go to school? I'm lucky enough. I didn't go to a school that was fancy. It wasn't an art school. But it was in England, so it sounds like it's got something. It sounds really, so cool. It, really it sounds didn't, heritage. It didn't really mean anything, but... I think we all think it's sort of Hogwarts. It is what Hogwarts. It is. That's what a lot of magic. Yeah. Yeah. Hagrid was there, but... That dude went to Hogwarts. <laughs> I mean, there was lots of cool things. I'm not, I'm not dissing the school, but I, it kind of shocked me. The two things that shocked me moving back um, as I'm trying to get my career off the ground, I'm like 22, is A how much cachet going to art school gives Mm -hmm. you within this, within the industry. And then also how, you know, no, we're not under the impression that there's like gobs and gobs of money out there for artists anyway. Like at the top of your game, you're still not competing with like crazy business people. But I feel like our industry is such, I don't, I don't know if it's because we're, we all brand ourselves because we're like part of the branding culture that, everybody seems like they have tons of money or they try to, I don't know. It just seems like it's not on the table. There's a pressure to, to establish who you are and where you are and where you're doing. And that's, you know, yeah. branding, it, it like infiltrates every single aspect of it. So yes. brand yourself as if you're making X amount of dollars or if you're successful or whatever. Yep. And as an artist, that's a really confusing thing to do because like, I don't want like a yacht or a boat or I don't want to tie a sweater around my shoulders. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't want to join a country club. So I don't really know what those status symbols are when you're a creative, you know, who are who's going against the grain anyway. Yeah. I have a I have a theory on this. I would theorize that. Um, well, we have a conundrum anyway, being creative peoples because yeah. we design everything and therefore everything is designed to someone's experience. And we covet the things we design, even though we can't necessarily afford them. Right. So I think that's, that's where a, a lot of weird people thing. Yes. get kind of caught in that whirlwind um, and sucked into it. And that's where money goes, if yeah. you have any. Yep. But I also think that um, our industry, because it is so brand oriented, we often we often dress the part because that's, in fact, our personal branding. If you mm-hmm. meet a person, you're meeting what they look like should tell you a little bit about their work or yeah. how they behave. And yep. so people think, well, I don't necessarily like my work, but I'm going to be the trendiest person I can be mm-hmm. in hopes of 
being appealing and someone wanting to work with me and then establishing myself. Yeah. It's an that's extension, kind of before the horse. Right. It's an extension mm-hmm. of your brand, the way you show up, the way you look, the way you present yeah. yourself. And and those can be all kinds of stuff. Like in San Francisco, you see yeah. like the tech nerds who they have the same. <laughs> Socks and sandals. Yeah. It's yeah. this. It's that dude. But it's like they are still the brand. Like yep. if you see Mark Zuckerberg walk up, oh, you don't think less you of You have him. all the signifiers of your niche or your culture or that your market dude, or whatever. That, that dude has been coding all day. Yes. That exactly. Yeah. Yep. And I... You know, I think my understanding is that as a 29-year-old, I feel like I'm doing pretty good, especially as an artist. I feel confident about that, feel fine about it. But I compare it to my brother who's just a few years older than me, and he's in the financial world. And mm-hmm. his, his, he, he, he can crush me. Like, and he's not doing, he's doing, like, he's successful and good. I, I love you, Josh, and you're doing great. But, you know, in other markets, it's easier to mm-hmm. make tons of money. That's uh, because this one is, it's solely your output. Yes. Unless you find passive income streams, it's only what you can do. And as much as you will get up in the day and work. Yeah. So if you, if you can't yes. show up or if you can't do multiple projects at once, you can't do it. Yeah. So and I think it's just it. like what you were saying about like, you know, putting all these nice designer items around you and all that stuff. Like my, my brother has kind of a regular person's job, makes mm-hmm. lots of money, doesn't have any pressure to look a certain way or have a certain type of house in, in terms with how that relates to the work that he does. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just really interesting. And something that the reason I bring it up is because I think we have a lot of listeners that are just starting out and there's all kinds of weird pressures on them. Mm-hmm. And so I keep wanting to have these conversations with professionals that are no longer in that zone, but they're comfortable talking about that. So yeah. thank I, you for doing that. Yeah, I think it's an interesting concept because, you know, no one wants to talk about like specifics and yes. money, yeah. but, um, there's definitely jobs that part of the job is looking the part. And I know that's what you're saying. And yeah. it's almost like, you know, making, I don't know, uh, $30,000 a year working in retail. That person's going to look a lot cooler than I'm going to, than right. I'm going to look because I work in my office. <laughs> right. all day. Right. Yeah. 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 So there's this different host. Of, pants on. Yeah. I'm looking <laughs> at all those things. Totally. And yeah. I'm looking, actually, I was driving through town yesterday and I saw this guy in a suit and, um, you know, I'm like, man, look at this dude. He's got the suit. He's got the shoes. He's got this briefcase thing. Mm-hmm. Like he's probably going to a super nice shiny car and all that stuff. And I, I have this suspicion that it's possible I make more money than that yeah, dude, yeah. but there's no way that I could look as legit and rich as that guy looks yeah, because yeah, yeah. part of his job is to walk into that meeting and impress this guy and True. to, and to exude wealth. Mm-hmm. I don't know that us as artists really have any need to exude wealth necessarily. We just have a need to exude taste yeah. and to exude mm-hmm. vibe yes. and brand. Yeah, I think that that's true. I guess um, I've just seen, you know, a lot of talk on Twitter about, you know, when you show your your big studio in Brooklyn that's, you know, has all is decked out in Herman Miller and all those things. And it's like, well, but you make like a hundred grand a year. Like that's a lot of like, that's expensive stuff for someone in that zone. Right. You know? So I, I don't know. And it's a, hun- just a, a hundred grand looks a lot different at, yes. for a creative versus a financial. Exactly. Well, not right. to mention so that different. you're going to pay for your health care and you're going to pay mm-hmm. extra tax because you're self-employed and yeah, yeah. there's all right. kinds of, you know, so I don't know. I, I, don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I just feel like it's a discussion that for the young people's sake, <laughs> for the youth, <laughs> for the youth, that we should be having a little bit more openly yeah. because I think for me as a 22 year old, that was just like blowing my mind. Like how, mm-hmm. how are these people making enough money to be doing all of these things and keeping up these appearances? And I don't know. So it's, right. it's good. It's good. I think for students and all right. Yeah. And it looks different in terms of your family situation. If you're single, a hundred yeah. grand is crazy money yep. if you're 
you know, married or married with, with children. Three yeah. Children. Three yeah. children. I can't even imagine. <laughs> that's that's not enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just it really depends on what your situation is. And in truth, something I, I like to tell people is when you're starting out and you're getting ready to put together a, a studio, so to speak, don't invest in your space. Yeah. Do not invest in Keep your that space. That low. is such a money suck. Yep. And part of how I even stumbled upon this back to the path. Yes, there you go. Good. (laughs) Is the fact that I was working over my trash can next to my desk. Like if I was working, I was literally boxing my husband out of his easel and he Mm -hmm. couldn't work. Yeah. Like, hey, could could you move that? (laughs) I mean, I gotta get in there and I'm like, I can't. I you know, I need to get this out tomorrow. So it's it's just funny realizing that like working out of this came from needing to be resourceful. Mm-hmm. It came from not really being able to afford art supplies for not like wanting to let people see how desperate I was. Like I could tell looking back in the way I was communicating with people, I was so desperate <laughs> yeah. and it was kind of subtle, yeah. but I know. <laughs> I do too. I, I was in that zone. I think like 22, 23, I was like, okay, I've graduated. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's getting real yeah. and I'm trying to, uh, you know, I have enough self-awareness not to act like a complete moron, but yeah. I'm sure I did sometimes. I, yeah. I could tell, especially around um, Thanksgiving and Christmas, because two of my biggest loan payments, I was paying back like 250 bucks a month on yeah. one of these loans and yep. it was on Christmas and Thanksgiving. <laughs> it fell several years, Christmas and Thanksgiving. Oh and I was gosh. just like, uh, <sighs> ouch. So, yeah. So go back to, sorry, I like totally derailed you, but go back to uh, where we left off. No, that's all right. Um, essentially, I was I was struggling to get anything I could find. I mean, I was at one point trying to woo a couple agencies here in town because I thought what I need is a a solid nine to five consistent job because I'm so tired of doing this. I'm tired of trying to hustle. It's obviously not working. People don't know who I am. And I'm having all of this like intense inner dialogue and I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm I'm struggling. I'm crying on the floor all the time. Um, I ended up breaking out in a your, rash. I love your crying <laughs> stories. By the way, I, I almost, I didn't, I don't know if I actually cried, but I almost cried on stage at my last talk. So oh. I'm a crier. I love when you're talking about all yeah. these crying fits. All these feelings. Cry, yeah. <laughs> we were feeling feels. We need more feelings in the design and illustration world. That's another thing. No, it was, it was just difficult. And I remember at one point I had a, I had something working out. I was doing a logo for a company and it was one one of the first ones where I I offered a, a logo mark instead of some sort of an image. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to make this a reality where I want to do lettering, I need to do all lettering and whatever I present to people, it just needs to be that. It can be paper cut. It can be vector. It can be anything I want it to be. It could be a stationary. It could be part of some sort of branding pattern, but it just needs to be this. This is a thing that uh, we talk about on the show all the time. Something that keeps coming up, but, you know, even in my students' portfolios that, you know, I often think, okay, they're still not understanding this. Mm-hmm. Show them the thing that you want to do. Yeah. Show them your proficiency in it yeah. and give it and give those things out, whatever yeah. it is you're looking to get more of. I think people, people want to be paid to do the work that they love, which is fair. Everyone wants that, yeah, yeah. but they don't want to do that work until they're paid. Like they assume the yes. monetary aspect will inspire them that much more to get it done. When in reality, if you're not used to it, it will be the thing that chokes you because you go, oh my God, someone's paying me like, you know, whatever it was, like $500 to make this logo, which yeah. is nothing by the way. And don't I think, work for $500 yes. for a logo. <laughs> and I think uh, the other thing that happens is this, uh, the fear of missing out thing. This is what you see in, in lots of young people's portfolios is they have everything under the sun because mm-hmm. they're so desperate and they're so worried that they're going to miss a $300 logo or they're going to miss this or that or whatever, but you're actually 
killing your chances by watering everything down. Right. Because, and, and that's what I think you're actually, you're missing out on way more mm-hmm. by saying that you can do everything yeah. rather than speak to a specific group of people and say, this is exactly what I do. I think you know? a good identifier for that is kind of figure out what you have your own motor to do. And yeah. you're just the thing that you will always be doing. You'll always be pushing yourself to do. And like, if you're distracted and if you're procrastinating on something, what do you do while you're procrastinating yes. on something? What is that thing that you love to do? That's sort of the thing that needs to eventually emerge. Yes. And, you know, there's the economical thing or just like you're, you got to do a lot at first to make ends meet but you don't want to do a lot. Um, But I think what happens is the longer you do a lot, you forget what it is. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, I start, you know, like one day I was just like, I really only like doing these band tees, guys. Like I only want to do that. I never want to do a website again. I definitely don't want to do like a pamphlet or like a website. I really like just doing band tees. So Mm -hmm. my goal became over the course of a few years, like never do anything but this. And then logos. Another just side note, because I always, I'm always trying to like make sure I'm talking to the young people. Young people. I'm only 29. All right. Yeah, they're also in their 20s. I know. You're both I sound in your 20s. Like I'm like 57. But you condescending instructor. I know. I'm just saying. I just want to say because when I when I was younger, I heard that and I heard, okay, I need to turn down every job that's not what I want. Right. It's like no, you still have to pay your bills. Yeah. Pay your bills. You just don't have to show. show you don't have to show it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to show everything. Yep. And I, you know, uh, at the time, I think you were doing that packaging work. And you'd done a project. Was this in that? Yeah, it was time? in my talk. There was a there was a point where I did a project, and I was really excited about it initially. I had some great ideas. Um, it was for a nonprofit in Africa. They were trying to empower women to grow coffee, sell it, and then make money so that they could stay off the street. Sinister stuff. Yeah, yeah. really dark, <laughs> yeah. dark rose. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> dad jokes are alive nice. and well this morning. You're <laughs> yes, welcome. <thank> you. <laughs> I am a professional dad. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, but I'm I'm working on this, and they go. I I present the an idea to them, and I go, hey, I I think you guys should use stamps. Mm-hmm. And this was like right around the beginning of the stamp thing. But I went, the this is economical movement. for yeah. you. This makes sense. You guys don't want to have to like buy a bunch of bags. Just buy brown paper bags, print them as you need them, and then they're hand done. It's beautiful, and the women have to sign it anyway because you want it written when it was roasted and by whom. Yeah. So awesome. this makes perfect sense. And they're like, yeah, we can't afford that, or we don't want to do it. Yeah. What what it really was, it, it, it boiled been down cheaper, to, probably. It would have. Yeah. They're like, we just want stickers. Just give us the thing. Yeah. And so it was awful. I mean, I I was so disheartened by their choice, and I did what I could to make it work still, but it just, it it didn't. It it was not as effective. It's not and what so, you wanted it to be, and it exactly. wasn't work that you wanted to do more of. Right. Yeah. But I thought to myself, you know, I'm fairly certain that people are gently messing with their portfolios. Like they're yeah. tweaking and adjusting things that they don't like or that they wish the client hadn't gone with to present the fullness of their own ideas, which makes yes. sense. At first, I thought that was really dishonest, but then looking at it, I went, well, how are people going to know how I think and what my techniques can really look like if I'm not willing to tweak and adjust things even when a client yeah. is wrong and won't listen to me? Bo- I think it, it's go ahead. I think it's healthy to look at it like a day job. Yeah. Like, so for me, I look at the, the work that I don't want to put on my portfolio, sort of like the day job, mm-hmm. the, and then sometimes I get to do the stuff that I really, really like to do. That's the stuff that gets on the portfolio, of course. Mm-hmm. But that stuff that you just kind of have to hustle through, sometimes that you just look at that as your day job, and then someday you'll be able to quit your day job. Right. But yeah. uh, eventually just keep that thing going in the background as a base layer so that you know you'll have enough money to continue to do this stuff. There's this overlap that's going to happen. I think the other thing that happens season to season as you move through your career is that 
the thing that was your day job that you end up kicking to the curb because you're doing all of your playtime stuff that you love. And then soon you, that's less fulfilling than it was. And that mm-hmm. becomes your day job and you start introducing another thing. It just becomes a cycle rather than you finally get to do everything you love all the time. Um, you know, just real quick, is it, it's Bob Gill, right? You know, no Bob Gill. No. I think so. He's like a, I think he was like one of the original, uh, founding member members of Pentagram. Oh, okay. Bob Gill. Is that right? I, think that's right. I can't remember if I'm saying it right. I can't remember. It's still early. Bob Gill. Yeah. It's still, <laughs> still let's early, call, but let's call him Bob Gill. Bob Gill. Uh, I was listening to an interview with him, uh, uh, with Debbie Millman design matters. And, mm-hmm. uh, he said he did an album cover. I think it was for George Harrison. I'm like, yeah, really fuzzy right now, but it was like the brick wall. And I think George Harrison's like, take one brick out of the wall. And he was like, that's super cheesy. I don't want to do that. And he's like, take it out. And it's like, he, you know, as a beat also, he just did it. But then when they put it in like one of the big design annuals, he just put the brick back in. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think that, yeah. I never thought of that. That That would be great. That's hilarious. Yeah. This is the thing I wish I would have done for these people. Yes, exactly. I actually actually just did that yesterday. I submitted an image that ended up not making it to the final and it was bastardized and ruined. Yeah. And so I just fixed it and stuck it in an annual and they love it. (laughs) I think that's the (laughs) the tough thing to know too about, you know, portfolios. And this is kind of another tangent, but like our best work, well, for me, my best work isn't necessarily my portfolio. My best work is the stuff that got rejected in my Mm. opinion. A lot of times. So So, so if you're working with somebody fantastic, sometimes I, and I, I think that they can make it better. Yeah. Like yeah. They do, I have had know, that happen. And that's that an amazing too. relationship. Yes. That's the goal is yeah. that relationship. But I wonder, you know, there's all but these, not always. there's all these things that you sign that sort of like, be, there's this weird line of what can I show and all this stuff. But man, I wish I could show a lot of the rejected work. And, yeah. you know, I wish I could like flag stuff in my, on my hard drive of this is the really good stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll make a moniker of my favorite work and see if that other designer gets more work than I yeah. get yes. based off that work. I have I've actually thought of doing that for myself, making a Tumblr and calling it Marmaduke Blue and just yeah. <laughs> ripping the hell off of myself yes. or, yeah, doing something I, like that. I know there's a few people that have done it, but um, it hasn't become a thing yet. But if I feel like if I had more time, I would have done that too. But I think it just all goes back to showing yeah. the work you want to do. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's awesome. So and continue, I think, go well, ahead. To Brandon's original point about having a day job and making money, yeah. I like to tell people that I get paid in three different ways. Yep. I get paid in like monetary capital, social capital, and emotional capital. And all of those have like their own kind of hangups and mm-hmm. and advantages. But I find that with the monetary capital, it's how you keep your business going. So you absolutely have to have some. But often it means you're bent over a table a little bit, kind of getting taken by someone else. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, oftentimes it just, it has to be. And then you've got the social capital where someone can, if a, if a budget is kind of fuzzy, mm-hmm. often I'll be like, hey, let's, you know, find a way to plump this up with, something about myself or maybe an article or a shout out on your social. That would be great. Like, yep. you know, something like that. And then you have the emotional stuff, which is obviously the warm, fuzzy feelings, but they're not often jobs that will substantiate and sustain a business. Yes. So I think if you can look at it and parse it out in terms of like, how much of this am I making? How much of that am I making? And and what do I need to feel like a human being at the end of the day? Yes. I think that can help a lot. If there's like a independent shop nearby that wants to do something cool and you're like, okay, they can't pay you your regular fee, but you get lots of creative freedom, Mm -hmm. then it's, you know, something you take and you kind of just measure up these things, you know. I looked at that as like 
you know, I've tried to justify how I'm being fulfilled. And like, you know, my number one goal is, is to make as much money as I can. And it it like, it has to be the goal. It seemed like that always me, that always made the most sense because if I make the most money I can, I can have the life that I want. And if I have the life that I want, then my wife, and when we have kids, my kids are happy and my grandkids are happy. And I create Mm -hmm. this life and this world and this property and this whole thing that is the life that I've always envisioned myself having. So I am dedicated to this vision I had for my life, you know, Mm -hmm. but the other fulfillment, social fulfillment, I'm, I'm terrible at, I hide (laughs) out, I isolate myself in a cave. Um, so what I, my usually way of just, but I am the guy who works works all day, every day with his, with his head down in his desk and completely isolated. And at the end of the day, I'm happy for the amount of work that I invoice for. Um, but the day I'm stressed, yeah. I mean, I yeah. am drained every single day and emotionally I'm a wreck every single day. And this yeah. is just this version of me that I turn on when I'm around other people. But my, justi- <laughs> <laughs> my justification is the big picture yeah. and it's always the big picture. And the big picture for me is I'm an artist for a living. And I know that if I wasn't able to hustle through every day, I wouldn't be able to say I'm an artist for a living. So for me, I've always said, do whatever you got to do to remain an artist for a living sure. so that you don't have to. I know baristas always get get a bad rap. Baristas. I don't know what other job to say, um, but that yeah. just seems like the first job someone would get if yeah. things aren't going it's so well. The most glorified form of food service, yeah. and it's actually like a half step down from what this is, which would be a service deal, creative services. Right, right, yeah. 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 So it. If I cannot be a barista, you know what I mean? If I can stay an artist for a living and actually be an artist for a living, not act like an artist, not yep. try to dress like an artist, not do any of that stuff. If I know that I actually am this an artist for a living, I get paid for. then my big picture is good. Yep. But the day I just had, oh, that's that's a wreck. Yeah. Um, my yeah. social life, that's a wreck. <laughs> right. uh, my big friend list, uh, that's dwindling. You know what I mean? And that's a bummer. You and got me, though. I'm thanks. a new friend. Dude, we're going to pound it through pound the it. Uh, <laughs> mixing board. Too. Yeah, actually, I think it's funny because I was talking with my my dad, uh, this week. And, you know, I grew up in a family that had plenty of money really, you know, and it's not a bragging thing. I didn't make that money. Right. Just my, my dad is a business guy. <laughs> One time Jerry Seinfeld said his kids said to him, daddy, I are know. we rich? And He's Jerry like, says, you're not rich. I'm rich. Exactly. Exactly. But I think, uh, I think it, it changes your worldview so that, you know, you said that you came from a place that didn't ha- there wasn't a lot of money around, Yeah, but So you go into the world thinking, I got to make money. Mm -hmm. And so I think I go into graduating thinking these big existential questions because I'm not, I'm like, money is just, it's around, Mm -hmm. you know, you find it, but it wasn't around. No, like, no. <laughs> one. You're like, no. Well, Turns that out there are money. no that money trees. Money. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, but it's interesting because I think you know that color your your childhood colors your 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 vision. But of I had a great world. childhood, so that's yeah. the weird thing with me is that my life was amazing. I had that perfect like riding your bikes to your friend's house, small town. I know everybody. I went to the, the person I was sitting beside in kindergarten was the person I was sitting beside in graduation. Yeah. That great life. Yeah. One small town called New Lebanon, Ohio. I loved it. And if you go through New Lebanon, Ohio today, you may think, wow, what a dump or something like that. But for me, that was life. That was Mm. all I knew. That was my bubble and it was great and I loved it. So, um, but yeah, money was just, you know, I I had a skewed view because the people we viewed as wealthy in our town in comparison to like Columbus or, you know, the rest of the world weren't wealthy at all. But um, I don't know if that applies to that, (laughs) to what we're talking about. It doesn't matter. It's interesting. I actually, I had 
a terrible childhood. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's get it all out. All right. get, creative therapy with Andy Miller. Yeah, let's <laughs> forget about the, the creative work. Let's just yeah. talk about your your problems. But that fueled me a yeah. lot because when I got out of school, I'm like, I cannot move back home. Mm-hmm. This is impossible for me. Like, yes. not even an option. So how do I make this work? Yep. So in having all of these issues, you know, yeah. I'm I'm like, well... I managed to get married. That's awesome. So now I have someone else that can yes. help me out. Yeah. Like, you've, got one, you've got one box check. That's I good. know. Yeah. So someone that can at least guarantee half the rent. Oh, thank God. Like, yep. <laughs> you know, we're we're struggling. We're struggling. I'm getting rashy. Like, I'm sitting in an oatmeal bath. This is like the pinnacle. Well, I guess, um, what do we call this? Like, the the valley of my sadness. Yes. Something poetic like that. Sadness. Yes, the <laughs> and desert. It, and I'm just, you know, sobbing and my husband's like sprinkling oatmeal on me to get my rash to go down. <laughs> and I'm just like, I this won't get better. I'm so stressed out that I, I'm breaking out everywhere and I can't sleep. And that means when I go to job interviews, I'm having like three minutes of dead air trying to think up what words I wanted to say. Yeah. And this is terrible. I don't know what to do. Also, we're skipping Christmas. Like, this yeah. sucks. Yep. And I went, do you think it's ever going to get better? And he's like, I, you know, I, I think so. I'm like, could yeah. you tell me when? But of course, yeah. it's like, could you tell me when? <laughs> he's like, uh, uh, n- no. Next week. <laughs> and so he allows me at this point, I tell him, I, I just want to do something that makes you happy. And he's like, well, what will make you happy? And I went, you know, I, I don't want the pressure of trying to find work right now. I just want to pursue something that I love. And so we kind of set up this loose deadline of like, hey, you know, take around six months to figure something out. If it means you get to go to coffee once a week, twice a week, or like once a week or like every two weeks, something like that, just to get out of the house. If that's like the lifestyle you can handle right now or the fact that you will be making everything in this household. Like I baked bread yeah. For years. Yeah. <laughs> like trying to survive and make sandwiches. Like, I mean, just whatever, whatever we can do. We were opening the oven to like get the, get the place hot. Yeah. Like just stupid things like that. He's like, if you're willing to do that, then you can pursue this at whatever cost. Like, I have a lot of like it. compassion and empathy for that because, and I, I feel like there are a lot of people, the design to illustration or the design to art spectrum mm-hmm. is a wide gambit of people. There are a lot of people that, especially, and this is, you know, just me guessing, but it seems like the people that are over at the design spectrum, there's a lot of those people that could have been bankers, could have been all kinds of things. Right. And so their life just doesn't, I'm not judging them, but I have compassion for the people that just couldn't do anything else. They, or they, you know, they were so desperate to do this creative thing. Like I have learned that if I don't wake up in the morning and make something, then I'm not going to have a good day. Yeah. I need to make stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I definitely, I have tons of empathy and compassion. I I had that same yeah, went through it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it it was difficult and but I the nice thing was not feeling this burden of being a financial provider. That was really mm-hmm. wonderful and I feel like um if you can find someone that will foster that that need in you even just for a short period of time for you to figure things out, that's so beneficial. Yeah. It's it's such a sound um, foundation to start from, I think. I mean, it's a powerful question to ask yourself, what do you do if money's not an object? Yeah. Right. If there's no requirement to make money, mm-hmm. if, you know, if, you know, say you win a lottery, you win a hundred million dollars, um, you're not going to sit around all day, yeah. you know? So what are you actually going to do? What do you, you know, there's going to be something that you have to have some goal for the day, a reason to wake up. Yep. Um, so what's that going to be? And sounds like in your situation, your husband gave you the opportunity to just be like, what do you do? Yep. Yeah. And yeah. whether, if money's not an object, what do you do? And that's a powerful thing. Cause it gets to the heart of what we actually like to do. And it 
sounds like for you, it was, let's, uh, let's take this oatmeal and make a word out of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> actually, exactly. So we started, I started reading a lot. When he would come home um, and ask what I did all day, I would be like, well, I didn't make any money, but I fielded a couple inquiries. I, you know, read several articles, and this is what I learned about it, about business. And so I started, like, finding ways to say, hey, I'm bringing value to my day, even if I'm not making money. Like I'm educating myself. I'm making contacts. I made a meeting for coffee and I need to borrow five bucks from you. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of thing. Um, Eventually I sat down with one of my friends and was explaining to her that I was frustrated because my work was starting to get interesting. um, But it, it wasn't really anything of note. So my, I had entered FPO with some sort of invitation for a bridal shower that I did and it didn't get in and I was frustrated and I, fought the urge to go cry in the corner. And I thought, well, wait a second. Let's like draw outside of myself and observe everyone who did well in this competition. What did they do? And as I was looking at them, I saw um, Clark Orr with his lickable wallpaper, which was brilliant. Um, I saw this company. They did a book of ethics for a a corporation in the Netherlands, and it had a weight in the spine. So you could literally feel the gravity of their values, you know, when you picked it up. And so I'm sitting here looking at this, and I went, oh, my God, people are engaging their viewers in a multisensory way. So wait a second. Visual art doesn't have to—you don't have to stop there. Holy I <laughs> so I uh, I just want to stop you there because that's another thing that I had to go through and I feel like the people that end up doing interesting things go through and I see it in stand-up comedians they spend all this time at the club obsessing over what makes these people I want to be one of those people mm-hmm. what do they do how do they do that and it's fine that you start off like not knowing how to translate that into your own thing, yeah. but just soaking it up mm-hmm. and just being obsessive about like what is it that they're doing that's that's working. Yeah. I learned it was advantageous for anyone to be slightly off kilter from the norm, yeah. from the from the stereotype. Mm. Like for example, again, people are are assuming that you get out of school, you become a designer, you become an illustrator, and that means that either you sit at a computer and you make logos or you paint pretty pictures, and that's it. And there's such a broad expression and spectrum for people to produce work within that no one is taking advantage of. Mm. And so this was one of those things where I went, oh, my. Like, I found it. I found. <laughs> you don't want to do another call I know. Home. I don't want to do another. <laughs> <laughs> I can just do it. <laughs> okay. It'll make it funnier. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> yeah. But we'll, like, uh, we'll do unnecessary censorship for yeah. you, too. Oh, thank you. you <laughs> block out every other word so that people think you're just like a sailor. Oh. Yeah. I kind of am, though. Yeah, like, that's, that's all right. Fine. But I was just like, oh, you know, this is this is a great idea. How do I how do I harness this? And so I'm sitting down at coffee with one of my friends, my good friend who's a teacher. And so she she's creative, but not in a in a traditional sense. And so I'm trying to explain to her without all of this like engaging multi-sensory experiences, yeah. blah blah blah. This very jargon heavy yeah. kind of explanation, what I want. And I look at her and I'm like, well, Mel, good design is like a cup of coffee. It's not consuming a beverage. It, you're having an experience. You know, you've got the mm. the heat on the on your hands from the cup, you've got the aromas in the air, you've got a great texture, um, you're having you're having a good time, and it's less about drinking something to survive. You want to thrive and and enjoy this moment, and that's what I want for my work. And her being very literal was like, why don't you make something out of coffee? And yeah. I went, well, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. And so I started looking it up online, and I saw that there was, like, nothing. There was mm. no one had really done this there were like one-offs here and there but it, it was just very like i don't know 
I felt like it hadn't applied a designer's touch. It like, seemed like if I think novelty. back to even like the 90s, I can imagine like coffee beans in like a little row with just like, you yes. know, one line weight, kind of just a word. Yeah. But nothing But it would designer. always say coffee. It would always, it would be redundant <laughs> yes, in a way yeah. because it would describe coffee. the thing it is. And that's not helpful. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's completely ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, why would you write pen, you know, or ink? Why would you just do that and make a career doing that? So you're just, I wanted to pause you real quick and talk about what you were talking about design. Cause I think that's a really interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of, uh, do you know, Frank Chimero? Yeah. There's a lot of ways of saying that name. And he says himself, he doesn't even really know which one's right. So his dad, his dad never told him. He exactly. never told him. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's up in the air. So say it however you'd like, sure. but he did a great talk, uh, shape of design. And he talks about that one of the chief or one of the best things design can do is this idea of delighting. Yes. And that's an interesting job that you can have. Like our job is to delight somebody. And he's talking about how it's potential for misuse is almost none because not, almost nothing bad can happen mm-hmm. if you're delighting people. Right. Um, you know, it's not about, it's not just about persuading. It's not just about, you know, the interaction or the transaction like you're talking about. There's something about having that human quality connecting on like a, a human level and delighting somebody in that same way that a cup of coffee does. So I think, yeah, it's really interesting. Oh, thank you. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was really where I got started thinking about this and, and realizing that most of, the, most of the work I was seeing was just kind of a one-off novelty thing where people would take a bunch of food and they'd throw it on a board and they'd be like, hey, if you squint a little bit and tilt mm. your head to the side, it looks like an A. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Amazing. It's funny. And I thought, well, that's so silly. Like, why has no one... Why has no one played with this further or adapted this to something that is elegant and interesting? Yep. And so I started um, I started searching. I decided that, you know, this was an open avenue enough that I could pursue it. For me, it was really important to maintain integrity um, with my work. And I think that's part of why I did so poorly in school, honestly. I, I was too worried about taking too much influence from other people. And so yeah. my work just looked terrible all the time. That's always a bad thing. That's <laughs> yeah. something I tell students, like, at least in this stage— it's okay if it if it looks like your favorite people. At yeah. least it's good. Like yeah. start just trying to make it good. Just like that Paul Rand thing is. Don't worry about being original. Just try to be good. You, right. le- you learn all your on. principles. You learn all your principles just by doing work anyway. So yeah. you're learning how to use, mm-hmm. you know, what your workflow is, how you get all that stuff done. It's all it's all valuable time spent. Like learn all the rules first and then you can learn to break them. But you can't just play with no rules right from the get-go. Right. It just yeah. looks ridiculous. Which is what I was trying to do and it well, was awful. Yes. <laughs> One of the reasons I think no one had tried to do that yet is because they were spending time trying to figure out how they can make their Photoshop brush do that. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, here yeah. Danielle oh, that's is, true. Yes. Yeah, here Danielle is being like, I have a bag of coffee, you idiots. Yes. I'm going to go out onto the floor and write the word. And like, yeah, but how does it? we make the beans trail off with the Photoshop brush? I think one of the things Don't that happens at art school, too, that is kind of bad is that you end up getting these situations where people are making design for designers about yes. design mm-hmm. and you get so in your head and in your niche so and pedantic, market yeah. Yeah, that you're not doing anything human. Right. And that's what I think people respond to your work is like people love food. Yes. Food is a human thing that we all know. It's a shared experience. Yes. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. real thing. It's not just a an art thing. Yeah. And that's something that I'm always trying to get students to t- think about too is like, what's like you just as a person yeah. rather than you as an illustrator? You don't have, you can show all these fancy tricks that you can do that all all your art school friends think are really cool, mm-hmm. but your grandma's not into it. 
you know, and <laughs> yeah. you, need to, you need to connect to her. You need to connect to these to real people. Otherwise, they're not going to hire you because they need you to talk to real people. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think we do end up in a loop, almost like a, a self-fulfilling trail of logic. Where yeah. we're like, hey, you know, who's my audience? Well, pff, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is that we are we are meant to, as you're saying, like speak across genres and across mm. audiences. We're really supposed to be transient beings. Yeah. And if we're not doing that, then we're not doing it correctly to some effect. And at least if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to start with me, I start with what I know, mm-hmm. don't start with the design side of you. Oh my you gosh, get no. so You get so entrenched in that because it's hard. And early on, you probably need mm-hmm. to get obsessed and all that. But at some point, you got to step away and be like, I'm also a person yeah. who just likes being a person and likes the things that people like. Yeah, I think that's totally true. I can always tell when someone has just graduated from school or is just starting out yeah. because they sound like a robot. Yes. They're like, so, fellow artists, um, how about those deadlines? Yeah. You're like, Ooh! Right? <laughs> <laughs> In design world, it's just Helvetica, right? Yeah. yeah, let's talk about that for a few years. And I can do it. And, uh, you know, I can, there was, a, I think you all, everybody goes through that season, so you understand it, you can relate mm-hmm. to it. but And you can have empathy for yeah, it. And yeah, and you can, have, I can totally, yeah. So anyway, as you are saying... Yeah, but I I find that it's, oh man, what was I saying? You were just talking about, this is when you're getting to go home and make oh, some yeah, stuff out of coffee. Oh yeah, I'm getting ready to go home and make. Coffee. Yeah. You're right. So I I decide I'm going to do this thing. Um, the, the beauty of moving and shifting to something that was being done live is that I didn't have to find it on my hard drive over and over again and lament that there are still copies of this terrible file that I constructed forever yeah. <laughs> in my computer. Yeah. That was the worst. Um, coming across things and being ashamed. And I realized that um, I could play. I could effectively sketch while I was working. So mm. when I start throwing down objects and, and things, I'm, I'm typically just testing it at first with my hands, trying to figure out how it works and and how I can push it and, you know, if it will stay, if it will degenerate, how things play out. I It's so funny. When I was in school, again, I was really terrible because I, I was a painter I was a sh- illustrator. Yeah. Um, I, I could sculpt okay. Like, I was not a great interior designer. I couldn't draw a straight line. Just all of these things that I thought were weaknesses, they actually play out really wonderfully in this whole, you know, live construction because I, I still have to think about edges. I still have to think about light. I have to think about color um, distribution and triangulation and, and harmonies. I have to think about value, which mm. is easier for me than thinking about color. Yeah. Um, contrast. And texture, texture, which was something I could do really well, but that mm. was about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, one of the things I noticed in your talk, and we, I asked a question, you ended up talking about this more, is I think what's really important as you're trying to find whatever your thing is, is being not completely self-aware. You're not like a, mm-hmm. you know, metaphysical, you know, <laughs> Buddha or no. anything. But and I, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm cautious. Like I, I don't think that us in this room have everything figured out, but you found one way of making a good creative career and it's not the only way, but mm-hmm. there's some really interesting things that we can take away from that. And I think one of them is even as you're saying, okay, I could sketch while I'm making and you're, that's, that's you noticing things that you like to do mm-hmm. that work for you. And you're, and it's not like you had, I think it's important to like deconstruct the story. It's a great story because there, there is this like aha moment, which is fantastic, yeah. but it's, built upon lots of other things that just Mm -hmm. before it clicked of you noticing, I like to sketch and make at the same time. I like to do this at the same time. I'm good at texture. And you're building up this like 
information that you're noticing about yourself and, yes. and it all comes together eventually. I've noticed people look at these experiences and they say, oh, I just need to find my, my culminative aha yes. experience. Yeah. And that doesn't really exist. It's really a series of small decisions that you made over time that allow you to hit this point of the quote, aha. Yeah. So really it's just an opportunity that you said yes to yeah. after saying yes to all of these other things. Like once I once I felt okay with observing my peers and celebrating their victories and not feeling dashed by them every yeah. time someone got a new job or got the cool client. Um, once I learned that um, I wanted to share my work and I had work I was proud of. Um, once I allowed myself to have fun. Mm. I mean, those are such small things that everyone can decide to do every single project. And for whatever reason, sometimes we choose not to do that. And I think that's really where our hangups kind of reside. Well, there's yeah. the there's the thing of unlearning so much. So yeah. I think that there, you know, when you get out of art school, you're looking for whatever that path is. And I think that everyone has to accept that. And when you get out of art school, number one, you're entitled to nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> and number two, the most successful career that you're probably going to have is one that's based on some original path that you came up with. Yeah. And that's the thing I always this is one of my phrases of the answer isn't on the internet yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's not out there yet. Yeah. And I, and one of the things I think you notice is you get these students and these, I just keep going back to students cause I'm like in teacher mode right yeah, now. I'm, in sure. a, I'm deep within like uh, this class and I'm in that zone and I'm just thinking what really confuses them is they see pieces of them out there. Right. And you recognize it, but there are things that seem like contradictions. And I'm like, they're not contradictions. Mm -hmm. The connection is you. Your stuff just isn't out there yet. Right. And eventually, there it will be out there. But you yeah. can't look for it out there because it's not gonna. You're not gonna find it. Mm -hmm. You're gonna find pieces. But you're going to have to figure out how to connect those seemingly contradictory things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. There, well, I don't think there's any such thing as direct inspiration. It's yeah. only indirect. It's only abstract. It's only you take a piece from that, a piece from that, a piece from that. Because if you try to be directly inspired by one person, you have a skewed view of what that one person's life actually is. Yes. You don't yeah. know what the stuff they do that they don't like. You don't know how long it took them to decide to start doing it that way. The direct inspiration is always going to lead you down the bad path. So you have to realize that Inspiration is more like a buffet and there isn't yeah. one perfect plate to create. You just sort of have to like pick what, what, be true to your heart. And if you want the pretzels and the mac and cheese and the chicken wings, <laughs> yeah. then get that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even though everybody you look up to only gets steak or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, like if you like Olive Garden. Yeah. Like Meg Lewis. Meg Lewis. Like, <laughs> uh, like, you know, uh, another interesting thing, I want to say something controversial and I want to see what you're going to say. Ooh, you, okay. you have a lot more experience this with me. But uh, than I do. But is it about Kanye West running for president? <laughs> oh no! But we can talk about that. No, so I want the album we'll first. We'll stick to your thing. Go <laughs> okay. ahead. But, uh, but you know, um, so I've had a fair share of people like, I, and I'm not very sensitive to this, and I try to show a lot of compassion. But I had a few people really rip me off, like young people, where they're like directly drawing what I'm drawing, and that's ah. the only time that I ever feel compelled that I need to. And I always write them an email, and I always say, I try to be like, look, you just need to like cast your net wider and you're, you're going to figure it out because you have some skill, you got some craft. Great. But, um, you know, even in the, when it's really obvious, either for me or someone ripping off somebody else, I think I can still, I can still, there's part of me that I can be like, I, I kind of like what they did with that. Like yeah. when you're talking about once your, your version of what they're doing is still skewed by yourself, still going through your hand Mm -hmm. And you change it. And obviously the best work doesn't happen that way. I'm not <laughs> saying it does, but I wonder, like there was, there's been times where 
I'd be trying to like explore this territory and then I would see someone else take it right out of my hands and kill it. Mm-hmm. Like you destroy, yeah. you did it so much better than me. Like, well, dang it. But it's so, a, I don't but know. it's a I, shortcut. Here's my, it here's my, shortcut. it's yeah. a shortcut. It, yeah. It's dishonest. It's cheap. It's, it's, cheap. it's dishonest. And uh, yeah. I want to see something that comes from you. That's from you. Yes. I want to see something that, yeah. you know, I want to know that Danielle's story is wrapped up in everything that she makes Absolutely. and that this is a, you know, this is a culmination of what she's been through. And this is the thing that makes her happy now so that she doesn't have yeah. to take the oatmeal bass in her tears. Yes. Totally. You know? and <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not There's a story people there. To go. I'm not telling you to go, go rip me off, go rip Daniel off. It'll be awesome. And you yeah. can just beat us to, to at our own game. I just mean, I just think it's an interesting point that even when someone does go to rip somebody off, they end up inadvertently putting themselves in it. And especially when you're a student, which when mm-hmm. you're a student, you need to learn how to just do the craft. Um, I don't know. It's still worthwhile going through that process because, mm-hmm. you know, even back to the uh, Renaissance days, of, you know, they would just directly copy the masters. Right. And that was just part of learning. And I had a class like that in yeah, school. I exactly. had an illustration master class where we were told you can do whatever you want from anyone within, you know, Society of Illustrators tome. Yep. Just do not claim it as your own work. Yes. And yes. so with the caveat of it cannot be said that, hey, look at this idea. I just burst forth <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. That that makes me upset. Yes, that's bad. And further, I'm I am all for people experimenting and trying. And in mm-hmm. some cases, even like I get people calling me about church barbecues and, <laughs> and things that they can't afford me, nor would I yeah, do this for them. Exactly. Oh, please yes. happily, I'll tell you what to do. Yeah, <laughs> I'll happily yeah. help you. Yep. But when it comes to a professional in a professional situation where we're vying for clients, even if mm-hmm. it's worse work, that is so uncool. Yeah. And that's where I have no patience. Yep. I think there's like another that. problem though. And I know that this, this uh, podcast is for a lot of creatives, but the people that really need to listen to this are the creative the directors, directors, the yeah. art directors, yes. the art directors are the ones who are often flipping through. Well, I'm, I'm so analog flipping through <laughs> communication arts, right, design yeah. annual, yeah, right. Nobody's looking at that. Flipping Sorry. through uh, Pinterest or whatever. They're going through whatever inspiration sites they see, and they're saying, hey, Billy, do something like this. Yep. Done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Billy, oh, yeah. Billy is not going to cross the art director. The art director isn't being creative. They're not doing their job. So th- for you, art director, you need to get more creative and get bigger with um, your ideas than just mm-hmm. say, hey, Billy, do this thing that's here. Here's so, this attachment to an email. Recreate that. Because now what happens is Billy actually ended up ripping off Danielle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it Billy's fault or is it the art director's fault? Is Billy too scared to stand up to the art director? He needs to keep his job because he's only yeah. eating mac and cheese. Right. So like there's this there's this whole uh, cycle of how the ripoffs actually happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I guess I, uh, for me it's like, A, that's always going to happen. Yeah. There's right. no stopping it. Yeah. B, uh, as you go throughout your career, you become more and more original every year. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the process. So, and the line's fuzzy too. Yeah. And so- I guess I just don't, A, I don't like shame. I don't like people being shamed. Mm -hmm. It makes, I'm sensitive to that because I think it's, it can be really detrimental, especially to young people that, what if that guy's going to go on to be amazing? Totally. Mm -hmm. And you, instead of, so when I, when I, when someone directly rips me off, I never outs them in public. I write him an email, encourage them, say, don't do that because it's, I did that and it comes from inside me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, I had another point. I'm getting ripped off so hard right now Are by you? two. Dude, me too. By two. I've got, I've got oh, two yes. people. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to, uh, I shouldn't Cinnamon say it. Yeah, I'm no. not going to say their name, but yeah. basically what happened is 
I worked so hard understanding this brand and understanding every single facet of this Mm -hmm. brand and where the heart of this whole thing is coming from. And I created stuff. Mm -hmm. I created the whole brand development, all this stuff based on it. And it was so, and I'm still doing it. I'll be doing it for years. Um, But then I see people with these Instagram feeds who have like tens of thousands of followers who are just recreating my stuff. And they have all the, it's it's insane to me. And I don't know, I can't tell 100% if they're wrong in what they're doing or if I just get to be the person that they're ripping off, because I, you know, mm. we all know the uh, what uh, the flattery. What's the what's the phrase? Copying um, is the imitation. Yeah, is yeah. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. We know that, but it doesn't. That it's doesn't really feel true. too good no, when you're. Yeah, really that's an true. outdated right. statement. They didn't have they didn't have Instagram and dribble and likes when they, back then. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. there is something to be said though. I've I've noted that I have I also am experiencing this, and a yeah. handful of these people that are doing this are professionals Mm -hmm. trying to make this their thing. And that's really weird because my brand is about authenticity. So if they're being inauthentic and being authentic, that's just creepy and strange. But um, I find that when people have a following on Instagram that is just immense and they have no other platform or relationships or anything else across these various social platforms, something is wrong because they are able to produce a pretty picture but they have no thoughts. They have no personality. They have nothing driving them and no substance that they're willing to share anywhere else. So if that is the case, that is indicative to me that this person is flat. Mm -hmm. And that's... Well, well, go ahead. All three of us are at this odd age where we don't necessarily view our Instagram likes as the end-all, be-all of our success. Right. However, if you go back six or seven years younger than all of us, and I know I'm just slightly older than you guys, but let's not talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So if we go six or seven years younger than you guys, then those people, the only thing that matters is the amount of Instagram followers or Twitter followers or likes or whatever, and that is the way they quantify their success. Right. That's a broad stroke. Yeah. But I yeah. think there's a lot of truth in it just yeah. in the terms of that's the world. They grew up in that world more than even more than we did. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, that's, you know, and they might even be better at it yeah. than us. And mm-hmm. that's fine, too. But um, not to beat a dead horse again, but I just think we've hit on a topic that's so interesting. And yeah. it's so there's so much to talk about and it doesn't get talked about right. in nuanced ways. So I think it's a good thing to touch on. One thing that I always think I have friends that will send me like, oh, look at this guy. He's ripping you yeah. off. And I'll be like, here's the thing, though. Because I know how dedicated I am and how uh, how much of an authentic expression this thing is for me and how much I had to pay to yeah. get here, I know that I have this very well-rounded, deep thing that I'm doing. And if they can eventually get there, then that's fine. But if they continue to do this way, I don't have anything to worry about longevity-wise. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, uh, you know, Chuck Anderson, yeah, uh, he said that I thought was really good is like, to all these people that are constantly, you know, complaining about everybody ripping them off and all that. It's like, we'll learn how to do some stuff that they can't figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like good. Like embrace the yeah. challenge. Like, you know, you're if you are the leader of the pack, prove it. Yeah. And I think, okay, that's another thing to keep you motivated. And so I, yeah. it's interesting. And I, one last thing is uh, I love this because uh, Steve Jobs is such a good example of this where he said, uh, yeah, we've always, this is early on when they ripped off Xerox with the computer, uh, and he's saying, we've always shamelessly took, stole ideas, uh, you know, that's always been a thing of, for ours, for us at Apple, and then later on, when Android comes along and steals the iPhone, he says that he's going to do, like, a nuclear bomb on them, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like, early on, you're saying, 
and everybody's saying that early on you have to learn, you're like studying everybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Sam Weber, who does the, your dreams, my nightmares podcast yeah. always says, uh, let he who he is without sin cast the first stone. Mm-hmm. And I always think that I think, you know, we all have to start off learning from each other, making mistakes. Yeah. And once, but once it's your stuff that's being ripped, all of a sudden it's personal and you're like, you get the venom and I get the venom mm-hmm. too. Um, but yeah. yeah, anyway. It's very interesting because if anything, it's these kind of things have pushed me into other items that are, you know, just commonplace. Like I've done yeah. shoes and plants and I've wrapped some really cool projects that probably won't be out until March or February, of course, but Pain. they're just like. I'm proud. Painful. I'm proud. They're, yes. they're next level. So awesome. that's, but that's, that's it. That's the thing is that, you know, as if you are the leader of the pack, then mm-hmm. prove it. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not saying to you. I'm not yeah, I know. Like, okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking to myself as much as I am Brandon and everybody. I'm just saying uh, that if, you know, if you really have that depth, mm-hmm. then use that depth and show them what the difference is between mm-hmm. something that's patched on and something that comes from your heart and comes from your experience. Right. And I think what's, what's hitting me, like my honest opinion about this is that once here I am now starting to sort of run out of steam a little bit, like I've exhausted (laughs) all of my, my portfolio (laughs) has just got way too many pieces in it. And as I start to run out of steam, I see these people coming up who are sort of doing my thing with more passion behind it and with more intensity than I have now, just because I've been doing it for so long. So when I see their portfolios, I'm just like, I think maybe in the back of my mind, it's like you probably have the passion that I had when yeah. I was 22 years old. And now you're, you know, like, so I, fe- I hear them coming mm-hmm. um, and maybe I'm trying to find the intensity inside of me to be like, all right, find whatever it is to do the next thing yes. so that yeah. something new that's going to push you through the but next five cool because to 10 years. That thing can be a motivator. Yeah, like, totally. oh, I, I got to get on my game. Totally. So I, I'm always optimistic and positive, so I know that I'm yeah. like it is called spin on the creative that, pep I know talk. exactly. But I'm just, <laughs> I, you know, I know that I don't know. I'm just always yeah trying to be. No, lovey, it's good. It's but, good. Yeah. I yeah. think uh, you're totally in the right here yeah. for sure. I think mm-hmm. that, and I think that at the end of the day, when we face these plagiarism problems, um, we have to know that we've got to find a positive way out of it yeah. because in order to be creative, we can't. We're not driven as much by negativity. That could be a motivator, but we're not going to be driven as much yeah. by negativity as mm-hmm. we are positivity. So if we we can get ourselves to a positive place if we can try to be understanding, try to put ourselves in their shoes and try to understand how much they look up to us. I think that's a valuable thing to um, understand their perspective and kind of understand how to handle it. But at the end of the day, we do got to get ourselves to a positive place because being mad about it is only going to hinder our creativity. It's, and that right. doesn't help. The, exactly. the, the anger and all that, that runs out really quick, that, yeah. that motivation. I mean, it's great for working out. But yeah, that's yeah exactly. <laughs> right. That's only 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but, you know, and I want to just clarify, I, I guess my problem is that often these new graduates get put through the ringer in the same way that someone like Urban Outfitters would. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not the same. Mm-hmm. They're, they're young people learning, right. making mistakes. Like right, 50 that's not of right. the industry giants shaming this kid mm-hmm. is, is pretty, it's internet bullying. Yeah, that's what it is. Exactly. It's well, overkill. Totally. I have a question though. What yeah. do you think about professionals like our age yeah. ripping each other off? <laughs> I don't know. Specifically, <laughs> no. Don't, don't say specifically. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know. Woo. Yeah. That's different. That is different. But I guess in the spectrum, I think it's in between those two things. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm not saying that you shouldn't deal with it. Right. I'm just saying that there are positive ways of dealing with it that are that are loving and and 
affirming to the for, to the to the creative industry, mm-hmm. um, and there are ones that are maybe not your your best or whatever. I don't know. Right. Um, but I do agree that like you know you can't ruin someone's life or blacklist someone at twenty two. Right. Exactly. So unkind. Exactly. I think it needs to be done privately. If right. you're going to do it, it, needs to be done privately. I think that the kind of I agree odd comments on Twitter or something they're always going to be bad. That goes yes. for any relationship. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah, never exactly. good. Yeah. Um, you know, I see Draplin dealing with it a lot. You Always. know, Draplin's yes, dealt with absolutely. it. So um, I think, you know, when you have a distinct style, it's very, very easy to be like, there's no one else you could have got this from but by me. Yeah. I think with your issue, Danielle, is that they're going to go to Pinterest and see it yeah. and may not know the name attached to it. Well, and that's may a not whole realize, other issue. Yeah, and may not realize that, oh, this is this one girl that came yep. up with this whole thing as opposed to just typing in whatever and just seeing it. So it's... I think the more face that's put to it, the harder it's going to be to rip them off, you know? Yeah. I think the other thing for you that is interesting is that having spurred on such a massive thing is, and you get to decide this, not me, but, you know, you've maybe created an industry rather than a style. And yeah, Yeah. you should be, I'm not, no, (laughs) no, no. No, it's a weird conversation. And I'm not even saying that that doesn't mean you shouldn't be credited or, you know, paid for it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it's kind of like someone coming along and starting hip hop. It's like, you know, you can't get mad that there's other hip hop acts. I'm, right. I'm no, not, I I'm understand. Not being it's, a, I'm just saying, it's a weird place because, yeah. you know, I look at it and I'm like, well, these ideas existed before me. They weren't yeah. fully actualized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll exist when I don't want to do them anymore. Yep. Yeah. So what does this mean? Like I, my husband and I constantly have these conversations where I'm like, this has gotten it's so far situation. removed from me. Yeah. That it's it's almost not my work anymore, mm-hmm. and that part makes it not fun. That yeah. part that part sucks joy yep. out of it. So for me, it's really a question of like, how can I reclaim and and take things in the way that I still like to use them and feel joy and fun out yeah. of them. So that's like my that's actually my current struggle. I think a good right thing now. that you're doing and that you're saying, Brandon, is how do you tell your story? Like maybe even it'd be interesting if you get the Seraph guys to do like a really interesting video mm-hmm. where you tell the story because that's part of it. I think if you're the person telling the story and you tell this authentic, this is how this all unraveled, all of a sudden you're getting it out there and it's, um, I don't know. It, yeah. Anyway, it's interesting and I hope you're comfortable talking about all this. Yeah. But, but, oh. let, um, but let it be known that Danielle Evans is the mother, <laughs> the mother of food typography. So all of you out there. It's Beware. being said here today, but <laughs> it should have been said a few years ago, too. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's, yeah. it's so funny. Um, gosh, that's such a weird, like, discussion. You it guys is, are, like, in my head and my know, heart I'm sorry. right now. No, I'm that's sorry. all right. But I, you know, I feel like You're loud. these are the things that um, I keep. So this week, actually, I had all this anxiety about uh, the stuff I'm working on and worrying. We all have worries about everything that we do. Right. From every corner. We want it to be sustainable. Everything, yeah. yeah. There's all kinds of whether it's money or art or whatever it is, there are things that we don't talk about. And you know what I did this week? I called someone who is uh, one of my close friends slash kind of secret mentor. Yeah, you don't tell say, them. You yeah. don't tell them. You don't <laughs> tell them. You don't tell them. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to call them and talk to them about it mm-hmm. because it's not something I would go out of my way to talk to other people about, but I'm going to do it because I need to work through this. Yeah. And I did it and I felt so amazing afterwards. And so I just feel like these things we should be, let's try to talk about them for everybody's sake. Because I think, you know, I've met people that are legitimately uh, (laughs) suffering 
uh, alone through mm-hmm. these things because creativity is so personal and it's, you know, you're, there's so much of yourself into it. And now it's so public. And it's so public that it's, mm-hmm. it's good to talk about all this stuff. I don't know if we have to do it in public like we are, <laughs> but we are. So whatever. Well, I think it's taking on a whole new, uh, whole new thing now, this podcast. It's like we're really getting to the heart of the matter. Yeah. Well, here's, here's how I feel about this truly is that if, if, your brand is authentically you as mm-hmm. much as possible, then you shouldn't have to neglect the parts of the story that are uncomfortable oh, or yeah. less attractive. Yes. And dealing with people ripping you off, whatever that means to you, is is part of that story. Of story. Now, how much you choose to share about who this is and where it is and how much you want to shame them, that's another story altogether. And that's your choice. <laughs> that and is we're your not, choice. We're not right. coming up with the only solution and the and what we're saying is right and everybody else is wrong. But there are things that I do think we should talk about because there isn't a standard order of practices in terms of how do you release a student into the real world? How do they, you know, Mm. what does their portfolio look like and all that, all that good stuff. Yeah. I tend to like to look at it as, as a pie recipe. And maybe this is because I've, I've always been baking. And so therefore, (laughs) I don't know, I just love eating. Um, But I found that when you, when you make a pie for a party or something or a cake, you don't say, look at this recipe I came up with. You say, I you know, got a recipe off of Epicurious or I finagled something from this recipe from Bon Appetit. If you take out several, like, and by that I mean, it's not just that the the pie is no longer blueberry. Yeah. You know, it's not that um, you added some extra cinnamon. That doesn't make it your <laughs> recipe. This if, is my recipe, yeah. If you use, like, alternative flowers, if you're taking out dairy and finding ways to, like, finagle a new construction, mm-hmm. that's, that's, like, yeah, I, I kind of, like... And no one bakes a pie yeah. without trying a few recipes right exactly that's totally true exactly and so i try to relate that kind of creative differentiation that way that's such a good analogy yeah and i find too um like t.s Eliot has this amazing quote which is funny because it's misappropriated so it's like super ironic (laughs) (laughs) but he he has this whole rant about this it's the one where people say like you know good artists copy great artists steal but there's more to it than that It, it says like um, a mature artist takes their theft and wields it into something wholly different than yeah. from once it came. An immature artist basically only bastardizes it, yeah. you know, and, and doesn't make sense of the decisions made. So he makes a differentiation of, you know, language, time, um, interest as like places where you can take these things. So like mm-hmm. if someone's working in a different market than you in a different part of the world, let them have it. Yeah. You know, if someone is just on on Instagram or Pinterest and they're working towards like, you know, bloggers, let them have that if that's not what you want. You know, that that yeah. makes sense to me as terms of like um where your ownership stops mm-hmm. and where where um someone else's creativity begins or seeing people that have wielded this whole food type thing into something different like I love Tommy Perez. He puts papercraft and animation to his, which is incredible. Right. Um, I've seen Joseph Alessio do the same thing. Sean Freeman has a very dark version of this. Craig Ward is almost more of a scientist mm. in the way that he handles it. It's it's so beautiful. Yeah. There are so many broad expressions even within these ideas. Well, if there are so many broad ways that you can take this, you know, I think Andy and I in our last uh, episode or 58, right, with the climbing the mountain part, yeah. um, we had this discussion about you know, like, what do you do when you get there? You know, and it was for us, what do you get to, what do you do when you get to the top of the mountain? And for us, um, we realized that it was sort of, you know, we got to figure out a way to help other people. For yeah. Andy, this is his podcast. You know, um, I'm starting a podcast. Like there's, there's things we can do to help other people. Mm-hmm. So 
for you, you know, maybe the next step for you, and I'm sure you've thought of this before, is how do you facilitate and um, encourage this community that you've created? And yeah. now, you know, you can, you know, you can see the different ways people are taking your inspiration and doing something bigger with it. So now this is maybe your opportunity to do something bigger with it. And I think that we'll become a lot more fulfilled when we embrace that community yeah. as opposed to fight it. Right. Um, so I think, you know, just my advice or my help is there's an opportunity there to, um, you know, to really like embrace that community oh, that you've created. I've done some workshops, which has yeah. been amazing. I'm working on scheduling a few more. I would like to do more intensive ones. Mm. Um, I'm talking with a couple people about a set of videos, not so much for food type, but for like creative business. Mm. Um, and I'm working through just a couple, couple blog posts about like, Hey, here are people that I think are doing really well with this and, and have their own voice. So I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that when you can start to celebrate again, it's almost like this, this life path when people think, oh, you, you are successful, you're creative, you're making money off your gig. They think your problems just vanish. And in reality, all of the um, things that I worried about it from the beginning, they just leveled up. Yeah. So like, you know, being yeah. able to celebrate my peers' victories, that's like, a, that's just, oh, being able to celebrate my peers' victories doing work that I bid for. Like, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I've been there many times. That yeah. sort of thing. And so just realizing like, oh man, this is going to be a continual uphill climb with these exact same roadblocks. Yeah. And so I can choose to jump over them or I can let them smack me in the face. I've had that same thing where I've had... Mm -hmm. Here's this thing that I've been working for for years, then I get it, and then have people nearby come right up behind me, and it's I've blazed a trail, mm -hmm. and you know it might have been a minor thing. I'm not I'm not claiming to anything insanely amazing, but I've seen it happen. And my I think your your lizard brain part of your brain, the small part <laughs> that is you know worried about making ends meet, yeah. has that scarcity mentality of like, there's not enough and I have to like, you know, grab what I can take. And, but I think when you switch over to the abundance of like, there's more than enough going around, I've got mine already mm -hmm. and I'm going to go help other people. Not only is that just better for your heart, probably it's also, uh, better for your career. Honestly, yeah. I think Draplin, uh, is amazing. I love his work. He's an awesome guy, but a lot of the reason why he gets ripped off is because he goes around the country telling people how he did what he did. And right. if you don't expect people to go do it, you're probably, you know, I mean, yeah. obviously there's better ways of doing it than not. But the reason he even is going from strength to strength, the inflection point almost happens when you're willing to say, I'm going to celebrate everybody else. And I think mm -hmm. part of it is even the generation that we're a part of now, we don't want someone on stage that's like, well, we don't want Superman on the right. stage. We want someone who's on the stage that's, make convincing us, oh, we could do this. Like mm -hmm. we can see their humanity and flaws and mistakes and all that. And that's compelling because it means I can do it rather than I think, you know, 30 years ago, it was easier for like the hero worship thing to happen. Yeah. You know, I think it's helpful too, to know that those people are your, they look up to you so much. So to view them as enemies isn't, isn't accurate to, yep. you know, you need to view them as people that, look up to you so much that um, they're very impressionable and you can, you know, you can be something in their life. And uh, so the, yeah. you know, like for Draplin, he need, you know, he knows that the people looking up to him, they've heard of him. They look up to him. They love him. Yes. You know, so it's definitely not a, um, a situation where you need to go in with your dukes up. You yeah. know what I mean? It's sort of like you need to go into well, somebody who looks up to you and figure out how to, 
where to go from here. But I think there's a community there to cultivate if, you know, for you, it's a different situation because you actually have created this whole genre, you know, like Tim Ferriss, for example, he came up with the word life hack. Mm. Like he made that up. But now there's an industry. Yeah. Now it's an industry. So does Tim Ferriss get annoyed that, you know, other people are in the life hack section of Barnes and Noble? He wanted his own section. Friends. Right, or is he making friends? Now he has all these friends yeah. that. Or does he oh, establish you're just like me? Those are the, you know. Yeah. Does he establish an entire conference just based on life hack? Um, and then Draplin actually talks about in his in his talks about how uh, he he shames the people that shame other people, saying, mm-hmm. you know, the, that person that ripped you off, they're the people that uh, you know pay for all the field notes. Right, those right. are the people. Those mm-hmm. are the people that are paying for your you know not necessarily right. you're in that no, situation, exactly. but it's yeah. I think there's... there are the people viewing. There are the people following you on Twitter. There are the people following, yeah. you know, following you on Dribble and um, liking the videos and all that stuff. So yes, I it's never. A, it's a it's a fuzzy area for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And I never I never tr- try to go through this and and not say so. It's totally cool to come rip Danielle off. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that at no, all because no. it's cheap for you. Those people that uh, don't make it their own, it's not going to be fulfilling. You're you're gonna you're, it's going to be a shortcut, and you're not going to get where you actually want to go. Mm-hmm. So all of that's true too, but anyway. Yeah, I can, think it's I think it's important too to express that um, when those sort of things happen, if if you are the subject of something like this, you have to realize too that a lot of these people coming up, they haven't put the effort into building this business the way that you have, and so a lot of them are probably destined for burnout. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, like truly, just not doing this day after day after day for years, like. They just don't understand the ins and outs of this, and they you, might be able to yeah. shortcut a lot of it, but it's it's, yeah. it's not sustainable. Exactly, you see a lot of those, you know, child mm-hmm. actors that you yeah. know start, you know, start before they're ready to deal with all the pressures of all of these things, and a lot of those people burn out. The people that are celebrated right outside of college, oftentimes are mm-hmm. you know burn out, and yeah. yeah. So I, I try, yeah. I think you're so your work's so good. Thank you. You do amazing things. You've you know it's so authentic. I just think, don't worry. Yeah. It'd be awesome. You got anyway. this. You're yeah. the mother. Sorry, I know it's <laughs> you like guys are so funny. Bro-pra right now. That's I don't remember. I heard someone say that. I'm like, yeah, that's that's me. Did you yeah. say Bropra? Yeah. Yes, he did. That's yeah. awesome. I, I never heard that. that. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. I think I think it was Mark Brick. I'm totally actually. a I'm totally a Bropra. I know. I'm yeah. down for that. Just <laughs> cool like making that, people though. feel better. Yep. Uh, anyway, sorry. I know you weren't asking for that. But no, we that's just all right. A giant I tangent. You know, I think I have a sensitivity to this because I graduated. In 2008. When did you graduate? 2009. 2009. Okay. And right at that time. I didn't t- graduate. You never graduated. <laughs> we were going to ask you. I graduated from high Brandon, school in 2001. This is for college grads only. <laughs> gotcha. Just stay out of it. I do not have the credentials for this podcast. <laughs> this is for people with a net worth of like, like negative yes, 30,000. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, when we graduated, I had all of my friends, even friends now that I have in the States that graduated at that time, went through the the trolling blogs at the time. And so the people that were lucky enough to be celebrated on a blog were also trolled to death. Right. And so I went through that and it, you know, I, and I had a friend who went through it way worse than me, someone who's really, that I care about a lot and it destroyed him, took him off the creative path for a long time. Oh, that's And so watching that firsthand always made me sincerely empathetic for those people, especially, Mm -hmm. um, having, you know, had a little people be like, oh, you, oh, it looks like this or looks like that. You know, you had that, that, that in that day, you even had people that would like, would go on to like, uh, something where they see a Picasso and be like, 
you're ripping off John Bergerman. Like, what do you do? You know, like this mm-hmm. crazy, like twisted uh, backwards thing because they had all these people talking like that. But having seen that firsthand, I just think this is just, you know, this in the best way. We need to like yeah. make a, a healthier community that. Yeah. But yeah. What I, one thing I wanted to do is ask you um, if there's something that you never get to talk about on these things that oh, you would man. like to talk about. Oh, uh, like, you should have asked me like way before but, this. Yeah, before an hour and a half. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but I find that most people um, have asked me like, why are you calling this thing food typography or dimensional type? Why yeah. are you doing that? Because that's not what it is. Yeah. Like there was nothing more terrifying than going to the, um, going to TypeCon in Denver this past year and having a room full of typographers ask what I do. And I'm like, I do lettering yes. <laughs> out of things. Like, Knowing I, everybody in their seats being like, that's, you don't, you're not a typographer. We've, <laughs> we've already established the correct terms. We've already established the correct terms for everything and you are not using it. Once them. you get into, but one, the, the deeper you get into like the niche or the market or whatever, the more lingo there is and the more seriously these these people take right. this lingo, yeah. Exactly, which is perfectly fair, and I think people should take it seriously. But in the same way as when I chose my moniker for my studio, I decided to go against what was conventional for actually business reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it food typography, not because it is. It is more so food lettering or, like, dimensional lettering or object lettering. Can you explain that a little bit? Because I think yeah. general education would be good yeah. for everybody. Well, the difference between typography and lettering is that lettering is, like, a, a for lack of a better word, handcrafted um, set of characters that often work together and they are a one-time use. And lettering is usually like, kind of like drawing Right, it's drawing letter forms. Whereas typography is more so a system, like a font or a typeface that can be used over and over and over again. All the characters are separate from each other unless you have special ligature components, but it's it's a, a system of, of characters. So it's usually made on the computer. Um, in olden days, cart from plates, like just, it's it's a different process and it's a different way of thinking. One, the typography aspect is more meticulous because everything has to feel harmonious, but it has to be legible. Whereas with lettering, things are usually more um, free and, and careless and given to like the moment. Yep. So, and yeah. uh, calligraphy is a different thing as well, yes. which is writing. All together, yes. But it, fancy writing. Right, exactly. So there's drawing, writing, and then there's font creation. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so the reason why I chose food type or food typography is for that reason. It has two given names because mm-hmm. someone can type in food type and they know what that is. Someone can type in food typography and still find my work. Whereas lettering, when I was coming into this, was still a new concept to a lot of people and only people within the design community would know what that was. Whereas a mm-hmm. common layperson is like you make those font words those typographies yeah they get that yeah. so that that was me I that. <laughs> <laughs> you got that type uh, yeah, I, I think most if, type. if most people can use the word font they yeah. feel really smart yep, if you're yep. outside of the design community and then when mm-hmm. you get in it's like oh there's yeah, a whole rabbit they hole they don't care so it's fine that's not part of their world they don't need to know yeah, right. the best yeah. way to lettering is the piece that you make with a bunch of letters and you make them all work together. So yeah. if you can create one unified it's a piece, piece mm-hmm. yeah, it's a piece of work. Yes. Typography is the whole study of everything. It's like mm-hmm. it, it's a subject in itself. It's a language. Yeah, and yes. a font, well, a font's a whole different thing because a font could be talked about like old wood type and like right. the way, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's a rabbit hole. It yeah. is. But I think that it's important to um to deviate from the norms mm-hmm. in those regards. Like in the same way that when I when I chose my studio moniker, I purposed a weird name, but I wanted it to sound nice when people said it, and I wanted it to be spelled with a with a francophone kind of sensibility. Mm-hmm. So 
people from France could know that blue is the feminine version of blue. And it was because I wanted a broader international audience. That was really important to me. And besides Danielle Evans, every version of it was taken by an America's Next Top Model and a budgeting author. So, I mean, I couldn't compete with how basic my name was. Um, So essentially the idea of doing something, even though it would be difficult to spell and I now owe hundreds of dollars in domain names every year, (laughs) it actually worked my favorite because people thought I was exotic and interesting. And that was part of how I got traveling because people wanted me to, to come places and they thought I was closer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, the talk that I gave, a lot of it was about words, understanding the power, the words have lots of power to Mm -hmm. you and your mind opening up. Uh, you know, how you see the world when you find the right words, but then also how you communicate to others. Like you have, yeah, being aware of using the right words and why you're using them can be really powerful in terms of your art and business. And I feel like that's the beautiful thing too about just the subject of lettering is that it is a, a picture that already has an inherent meaning and a value to it. And so anything else you assign to it is either contrary or complementary to that idea and I think that is what benefited me as opposed to going in the realm of like regular illustration where it's more pictorial yep. and more like image heavy. So so this made a lot more sense to me as well. So I, I think it's good to encourage people to just kind of continue deviating from their norms, deviating yeah. from what they think they should be doing. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of times you start talking about this and there'll be people that just totally brush it off as semantics. Mm-hmm. And I actually totally disagree. And I think science actually disagrees in the terms of what happens in your mind when you have the right word or you have the wrong word or what words you use do have lots of weight. Mm-hmm. And so when you go out there and you're telling the world, this is what I do, it's important to be like, you know, thoughtful about yeah. what, what you do. And yeah. And it's, it's good. important to stand on it, especially when people are willing to correct you in public. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> because you know what? Or at type time. Yes. Those people, though, aren't the people buying from you or, or hiring you most of the time. Yes, most And likely. so they're not the audience that you're trying to, you know, brand yourself for or whatever. Although yeah. the Typecon guys are great. Hey, design know, community. Yeah. <laughs> hey, design community. Get over your you terms. <laughs> just kidding. We just I draw pretty pictures. That. Leave it alone. Yeah, we I just decorate, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't, let's not start that. We're going to go. We're going to go. I could, let's talk for five hours about that. I could do that. Yeah. Totally. But, okay. Um, okay. So we covered everything. We know everything about you, all of your secret fears, anxieties, stresses. You had a nice therapy session. You guys, <laughs> Unintended, yeah. You can, yeah, you can yeah. pay for it afterwards. Yeah, we'll you, send you the bill for all yeah. this, uh, for this Bropra sesh. Or we might actually, yeah, we might have to pay you for all the stuff we just brought out. <laughs> um, so thank you so much. Your story is awesome. I'm sure, like, I know for a fact that this is going to be one of the most popular episodes um, because... Oh, wow. I think we we hit on a bunch of sensitive topics in yes. the industry, mm-hmm. and you were very gracious with all these answers in your story. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say, Brandon? You want to wrap no, it up? No, it's great. With some Another sweet... uh, three Columbus creatives hanging yeah. out together Woo! in a mystery radio studio that we yeah. can't talk about. <laughs> so again, we're grateful for this place, yes. and it's really cool that uh, we could all get together, be in the same city. Um, we're pretty lucky to live in a city and be able to have a good conversation. Like yeah, this. and we should definitely do it again. It's just a good excuse for all being in the same room. We, yep. You know, we see each other like once every six months. Yeah. Even we live in the same place. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. <laughs>